Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Man, it's good to see everybody today. It's great to have everybody here. You guys happy to be in the house of God this morning? Feels good, doesn't it? Can I, can I tell you, I needed this today. Like, I needed to be here bad. Um, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. Um, and not just in one way. Like, there's been multiple things that have happened this week. Um, personal issues, sickness, frustrations with things. There's just been a lot of that going on. Um, and there's just something when you get together with the body of believers, when you get together with other people who are following Jesus, it just gives you, as Pastor Brenda said, a spring in your step. It does something. So I needed this today. I hope if you're like me that you're in church today too, because man, there, there's just something about being around each other, being around each other and encouraging one another. So thank you for being my church family, for being here today for me, because man, it is good to see all of you. Uh, welcome to Cornerstone. Welcome to everybody watching online, on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, I want to say, if you're new today, if you're new, and that can mean one of two things. That can mean today is your first Sunday ever with us, or that can mean you've been here for like a year but you've just never connected. Like as soon as service is over, you're out. Um, whatever that means, we want to connect with you. We want this Sunday to be the Sunday that we finally connect with you. So make sure that you do that. After service, you can come find me. You can stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, we just want to connect with you and get you hooked up to what's going on here at Cornerstone. So whenever you're having bad weeks, whenever you're having rough rough times in life, you have other people to connect with too. We want that for you. Same thing goes if you're watching online. We have an e-family who's watching with us. We have hosts who are watching. You can connect with them in the comment section. We don't want you to feel left out as well. You can call Cornerstone your home online as well. Thank God for technology, right? So good to have everybody watching with us today too. Now today we are in part three, part three of this series under new management. Now what we're looking at in this series is our identity in Christ, what it means for us to be a Christian. If you are someone who says, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I follow Jesus. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. What does that exactly mean? What does that exactly entail? Um, if you've missed week one or two, you can always catch up online on our podcast, but I'll give you like the Cliff Notes version real quick of where we've been, all right? So where we've been, week one, we talked about the fact that if we're going to look at our identity, the first thing we have to do is look at God's identity, right? Like if we want to know who we're really supposed to be, we need to know who God is because teams... People have a way of adopting the identity of their leaders and of their bosses. Isn't that right? If you're a Browns fan, we talked about it. You saw this play out a few seasons ago. Whenever the Browns hired Freddie Kitchens as their head coach, and you saw the Browns adopt his way of thinking and his way of doing things, man, they were undisciplined. They were all over the place. No one really knew what was going on. It was just... It was a mess, right? The Browns had a terrible season. The next year, they hired Kevin Stefanski, this dude who is just disciplined. He knows what he's doing. And suddenly, the team is disciplined. Suddenly, the team is on message and everyone's falling in line. It's because the team adopted the identity of the leader. In the same way, us as Christians, man, if we want to know who we're going to be and who we're supposed to be, we have got to look at who God is 
and what his identity is because that means everything for us. So that was part one. Part two, the next week, what we talked about, what we talked about last week is this idea that as we look at who God is and what that means for us, it can be very tempting for us to look at how we're supposed to be in our lives and say, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Like, I can't live up to that. Who, who God calls me to be in here and who he says I am, God says I'm the light of the world. God says I'm his masterpiece. I'm his handiwork. God says that I am a saint. God says that I'm righteous and holy. Like, yeah, no, not so much, right? Like, not so much. I don't really feel like those things that often. Like, I don't really feel like I'm all these things that God has said I am and all these things that he's called me to be. But what we talked about last week is the idea that whenever we start following Jesus, we don't have to hold on and wait for one day for him to equip us to be who we're supposed to be. That the second we start following Jesus, we have everything we need to be everything he wants us to be, right? We have everything we already need. So we don't need to say, well, if I could just, if I could just get a, a better church, then I would be where I need to be. If I could just get a better pastor, if I could just get a better Bible study, if I could just get a better group of friends, if I could just get a better way of, uh, of doing habits, if I could just do those things, then I would be who God created me to be. And what we learn from Scripture is, no, the, the second that we start following Jesus, God does not under-equip us. He's a good father, Right? God's a good father, so that means he doesn't under-equip us. He doesn't, how messed up would it be for me to ask my children to do something that I haven't given them the capability to do? That's cruelty, right? Asking someone to do something they can't do. And some of us have felt that way about God. We don't think he's a good father. We think he's cruel because we're like, you're telling me to be a saint, but I've got a lot of sin. You're telling me to be patient. I, I, I want things to happen now. And so we, we think that there's this big gap, there's this big divide, but the fact of the matter is that God bridges that divide for us. He bridges it with connection to the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we follow him, we can see that we can start becoming who he created us to be, that we have everything we need to be all he created us to be. Now we continue today, we're gonna be in Mark chapter five. So if you wanna follow along, you have a physical Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter five. If not, you can follow along on your phone, do a Google search for it any way like that. If you have a Bible app, you can follow along on there. But we're going to be Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25. And what we're going to be looking at is a specific instance from Jesus' ministry. One of the most famous instances, actually. It's recorded in three Gospels. It's that important of a moment in Jesus' ministry that three of the Gospel writers thought, hey, we need to record this. So we're in Mark chapter 5 today. We don't always do this, but occasionally I think it's good for us to, to have a moment like this. So if you would, if you're in house with us, would you stand uh, in the honor of the reading of God's Word today as we read from Mark chapter 5. Jesus is on his way to see a sick girl when a woman encounters him. And this is where we pick up in verse 25. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She has a blood hemorrhage and it has been bleeding, think about this, for 12 years of her life. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So this poor woman is dealing with this for over a decade of her life. She throws every penny that she has at it. And instead of getting better, her condition turns for the worse. 
Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. You see, what we're going to be looking at today and what we see in this, this woman's story as she approaches Jesus for healing in her life is that so many of us, I want you to know I'm preaching to myself today as well. So many of us can be so consumed by the what in our life that we forget who we are and who God is. We can get so consumed with what we're dealing with, with what we're going through, with what we're experiencing, we lose sight of who we were meant to be and who God created us to be. And I think God has a word for us today about that. So if you would, let's pray together real quick. Heavenly Father, uh, I believe that you have a, a word for us today. And quite frankly, I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to get in the way. So God, I ask that you would help me today to communicate clearly what you have put on my heart, that we would be able to hear your word today in a new and in a fresh way, that we would take what we hear, apply it in our lives, and see the change, see the transformation, see ourselves become more like your son, Jesus, in the way that we act and the way that we speak. We love you, Father. We believe that. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. So today's sermon title, you got a candy bar on your way in. Can we all say it together? Whatchamacallit? Whatchamacallit? Kind of disappointed they didn't have any hoosie what's-its. Just had to settle for the... <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm sorry. I have to go with the dad joke. Whatchamacallit? Has anyone had these before? I'm shocked how many people came in and are like, I've never tried these before, <laughs> right? They've been around forever. Um, Whatchamacallit? Anybody not get one? Anybody not get one? Oh, here we go. There we go. There we go. See? There we go. Good catch. Good catch. <laughs> there we go. Um, see, and that's what you miss. If you're, uh, if you're watching online, you're not in the area, you could have got a free candy bar this morning. You need to come check us out in person. Um, but today, we're, we're focusing on this idea of what versus who, right? Whatchamacallit? What versus who? Um, I, I want to start off just giving a few examples of what I'm talking about whenever we say what versus who. So my wife, Jessica, and she's running uh, tech today, so she's already heard this once, she, so now she knows what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, but my, my wife, Jessica, she's terrible with names, like just terrible with names. Not really good for a pastor's wife <laughs> to be like, oh, hey, it's you. Hey, how are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, but she's bad with it. She's bad with it. So she does things to try to help her remember who people are. Um, and so one thing that she does is she'll pe put uh, people's name in her phone if she doesn't really know who they are as like an identifier. Like, oh, that's who it is <laughs> because she's just terrible with names. So there's a girl who goes to our church, uh, Tina Heiberg, used to be Tina Kaufman. Tina Heiberg, and uh, she's got really beautiful, like super curly hair. Like I'm not talking like curls, like 
curly hair, just like super curly hair. And so Jessica, knowing this is a good identifier for her, put Tina in her phone as first name Tina, last name Hair. And that is still, to this day, how Tina is listed in Jessica's phone. Tina Hair. Like, it's just, it's crazy, right? Um, but it's funny because the what, the what is how Jessica identifies the who. Tina Hair. Curly hair. Oh, yeah, that, that's Tina Heiberg, right? This happens a lot. Um, uh, in my own experience, there was a family that attended here for a long time. They were volunteers. Whenever we were at our old building on Killian Road, uh, I was leaving a meeting, getting ready to go to another one, and I had picked up my computer and uh, a book, and I had my power cord for my computer, and I didn't have a hand, so I just like kind of looped it around my neck real quick and was walking out, and as I was, um, the one, the kid in the family, the brother, um, probably like 12 or something, he came walking by me. He opened the door just as I was coming in, and he sees me, and he sees the cable, and he goes, hey, hey cable guy, like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cable guy, <laughs> funny, right? So we walk by. Guys, I kid you not, every time I saw this guy for like the next five years, I was cable guy. <laughs> Every Sunday morning, walked to church, hey, cable guy's here. I'm like, oh, yes, yep, cable guy. I'm still, I'm still cable guy to you, right? That's still how you know me. You know me from this obscure what that happened five years ago. We experienced this actually as a church here at Cornerstone um, uh, before I stepped into leadership uh, last year, which we're coming up on a full year. Can you believe this place hasn't burned to the ground yet? Isn't that incredible? We're, we're still here by the grace of God alone, I guess, right? Um, but just about a year ago, I took over in leadership. So this especially happened before that. Um, but if in the community, if you ever talked to anybody about your church and you're like, yeah, I go to Cornerstone, you probably would have gotten this response, Cornerstone. Wait, is that the church with the woman pastor, <laughs> right? Because that's a pretty quick identifier for who we are. People know Pastor Brenda. Now, some people would say it like this, is that the church with that woman pastor? Because they have a good experience with Cornerstone, they love it. And you know that's gonna be a great conversation. Then some of the other people would, that's not the church with that woman pastor, is it? And you're like, oh boy, here we go. I'm gonna have to fight somebody. I've got to throw down in this parking lot with somebody, right? Uh, <laughs> but we, that was like our identifier for, like, uh, for some people in their mind. That's how they identified with Cornerstone was, oh, this what? A woman pastor, you're that church. That's the common theme between all those things. Tina Hare, her hair, uh, uh, me, the cable guy, Pastor Brenda, the church with the woman pastor. All of these identities completely shaped, not by who, but by a what. All these identities shaped by a what. Very often in our lives, a what will define who we are. What we've been through, what we've struggled with, what we've experienced, what's happened in our past, what's happening in our present, what people have said about us, what we've said to other people, what very often defines who we are. Like I said, I, I started this sermon off letting you guys know it's been kind of a rough week for me. It's been a rough week. And what's crazy is how this week, in a lot of ways, has had a very big say on the kind of Jacob I've been this week. The what's that I've been experiencing this week have affected who I am. To a degree, they've dictated who I am. 
because of the frustrations I've experienced, because of the sadness I've experienced, because of the, just like, the, the things not going my way that I wanted to go my way that haven't, they, they, they've changed who I am to a degree. These what's have defined who I am. That's exactly what happened with the woman that we read about in Scripture today from Mark chapter 5. Listen to this again, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she got worse. I want to ask you, this isn't a trick question, what's the woman's name? If you know, put it in the comments online. What's the woman's name? doesn't have one. She doesn't have one. We start reading about her in Mark verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 25. We hear about her all the way down to verse 34. And get this, we don't just hear about her in Mark. We hear about her in Matthew, and we hear about her in Luke. It's that important of a story we hear about in three out of the four Gospels. And yet, no name. Only her issue. We don't know who she is, but we know what she's going through. We know what she's dealing with. But we have no idea who she is. Her what has come to completely and utterly define her identity. In fact, whenever you look this story up, whenever you type in Mark chapter 5, you'll see people refer to her as the woman with the issue of blood, the woman with the hemorrhage. That's how she's described. That's how she's defined. That's how she is identified. That's who she is. Completely and utterly identified by her issue, by her what. Her what that defined her for 10 plus years. Her what that ate up her life savings. Her what that as we learn about the law and we learn about what this woman must have been going through, think about this. What this woman must have been going through, if she was bleeding, if she had a hemorrhage and she was bleeding, what that meant in her day, what that meant for her life is that she would be called ceremonially unclean. Someone who has a bleeding issue like that, has a hemorrhage, they're unclean. What that means is they are ostracized. <laughs> they're, they're, they're held out from the community. What we're doing today, she wouldn't have been allowed to do. She wouldn't have been allowed to go to the synagogue or to the temple to worship. That would have not been allowed. She wouldn't have been permitted to come in because she was unclean. Not only that, think about this. Her husband would have been in the right to divorce her over this. To just completely walk away from the marriage, leave her to care for herself, leave her on her own because of this issue that she was dealing with. So this woman, 10 plus years of her life dominated by this what, her life savings, her money, all gone trying to fix this what. She's ostracized from society, most likely divorced because we don't read about her husband anywhere and that's what could have happened in this situation and determined to be ceremonially unclean. Her what completely and utterly ran her life. And what I want to ask you today, what I want to ask you, can you relate to that? Because some of us, we have an issue, but we're not the woman with the issue of blood. We're the man with the issue of addiction. And we can't put the bottle down, right? We don't have an addiction. We just like the way it tastes. I'm a social drinker. I'm a, you know, I just occasionally. But it's an addiction, right? We're, we're, we're the woman with the issue of gossiping. We're the man with the issue of judgmentalism, of legalism. We've got this what in our life that we are lying to ourselves, but it is defining who we are. 
It's defining who we are and it's affecting our relationships and it's affecting the way that we are with our family and we are with our friends. We have to be careful. These what's can sneak up on us and they can start to define who we are. And when that happens, when we live as a what, it will keep us from who we were meant to be. When we live as a what, this woman, when we live like her, when we live completely and utterly defined, our identity is found in what we're going through and what we're experiencing and what we've been through. How many people know people like that or you're that person who, who you know everything about that person's past because their past so utterly defines who they are, what they've been through, what other people have said about them. We've been there. Man, we know people like this. We are like this, where what we've gone through defines who we are and it keeps us from who we were meant to be. Sadly, we, we actually see this happen. We, we see it in churches. I mean, Cornerstone, we've done this before and it's something that we're, we're better with now. But um, a lot of times, even in churches, we'll get so consumed with the what's that we neglect the who's. <laughs> right? We'll get so consumed with programs, we forget people. We'll get so consumed with the what's in life that we forget the who's. And so what we'll do, we'll have people who will come to Cornerstone who are dealing with some really crazy what's in their life, and we just try to fix those without ever addressing who that person is supposed to be in Christ, who that person's supposed to be in Jesus. So people will come, and they'll come and be like, yeah, I'm going through a divorce. Do you guys got anything for me? And we'll just instantly just plug them into a divorce group but never address, well, hey, yeah, I know you're going to, through a divorce, but, but do you know who you are in Jesus? Do you have that foundation? Do you know what you were created for? Because if we try to put activity in front of identity, it won't solve anything. It won't solve anything. We got to figure out who we are in Christ, get that baseline settled before we do anything, before we take any more steps. We have got to put the who before the what. Because when we put the what before the who, what that is, that is a waste of time. That's a waste of money. That's a waste of resources. And we end up, like this woman, decades down the road, still in the same crap we were on day one. Still with that same addiction, still with that same jacked up mindset, and nothing has changed. Because we put what over who. And a lot of us, man, if I'm, if I'm being honest, that's how we see Christianity. We see Christianity as behavior modification. Let me just try to modify my behavior to kind of be a little bit better of a person so my wife won't ask for a divorce. So my kids won't hate me and I'll have someone to take care of me when I'm older. I'll just modify my behavior a little bit. And we have jacked up if we think that's what Christianity is. It is not behavior modification. It's life transformation. It's, it's death in life. It's becoming a brand new person. In Jesus, right? It's becoming, it's becoming someone completely different. It's about a who, not a what. It's about a who. So we need to get things in the proper order. We need to start looking at who we were supposed to be. We're not intended to be a whatchamacallit. We're not intended to be a what. And if you don't let God define you, if you don't look for your identity in him, then your what will define you. That's just the way it is. If you don't let God define you, your what's will define you. I've told you guys this before. I've shared about me and my wife when we moved to Cleveland to start a church a few years ago back in 2016, how just like crazy that whole process was. And God used it. Um, he used it as a blessing, but my goodness, it was whew, like the hardest times of my life were during that period. That was tough 
stuff that we were going through. And we had some crazy what's going on in our life during this time. Um, financial what's going on where I, I, I'm working at Allstate and I'm trying to bring in money there while we're trying to make this church happen and we're just not making em- enough and it's stressful and it's hard and it's difficult and we're away from our family. We're not seeing them as much as we wanted to and things with the church are hard because people are coming and I'm only able to meet with people during certain times because I work at Allstate and my hours were weird. And so we're up there. Things are going crazy. Things are going haywire, and it's difficult. And I'm on the phone, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to believe the best. Trying to believe the best. I'm, I'm watching my car get repoed for the second, <laughs> for the second time. And as it's going out, I'm on the phone, being like, "Yeah, yep, no, God's good. God's good. He is good." Hey, do you guys just wondering? Do you happen to have like a used car for sale? Uh, a bus pass I could like borrow for a little bit, right? Because we're trying to make the church stay afloat, so we're paying that and not paying other bills. It was crazy. And let me tell you, that what during our life, what we went through, that became who I was. That stress that we were going through, I internalized that crap. For six, peri- for six months, I had a period of time where I had a, like, ongoing, consistent twitch in my eye. Just an ongoing twitch. My right eye, it wouldn't stop. Just stressed out. I internalized that stress in such a crazy, crazy way it, it wasn't what I was going through anymore. It was who I was. You could read it on me. I was not as happy as I used to be. I was stressed out. I was depressed. I was like, how, how are we going to make this happen? I felt like a failure. I felt like, man, I moved my family up here, and it's not working out the way that we thought it would. It was a crazy period of time. And let me tell you, in those moments, there were so many times where I did not let God define who I was. Instead, I let those what's define who I was. And so whenever that car was peeling out, I'm going, wow, what just happened? Not who am I, not who is God, and no, no, what just happened? I'm a failure. I'm a failure. How am I letting this happen? I'm I'm the provider of our family, and this is happening. What is going on? If you do not let God define who you are, the what's in your life will. They will define who you are. They'll tell you who you are, and it will lead to a place of self-loathing. It will lead to a place of depression. It will lead to a place of, like we talked about last week, where you feel like, why even bother? Why even bother? Because I'm never going to be able to get to where I'm supposed to be. That's where this woman clearly was. 12 years of dealing with this issue. 12 years. We were in Cleveland for three. It felt like an eternity. This woman was dealing with this for 12 years threw every penny she had at it, probably got divorced in the middle of this, probably lost all of her friends in the middle of this. She was going through it. If there was anyone who had an excuse to just say, yep, my what is gonna define me the rest of my life and just keel over, it was her. But she didn't do it because Jesus came along. Jesus entered the picture and when he entered the picture, everything changed. Everything changed. Listen again to what it says, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just get close enough to Jesus. I know I've been going through a lot of what in my life, but man, if I can just get close to who he is, maybe who I am can change. If I can just get close enough. She understood there is power 
in proximity. If I can just get in the close proximity of Jesus, things in my life can completely and totally change. Even this issue that has dominated my life for 10 plus years, even that can change if I can just get close enough. I love the way that this woman says it. You can just feel, you can feel the desperation. Can't you? Listen, listen to that again. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just do this thing, if I can just do this one thing, I will be healed. And what I want to say to you today is we need to have that same mindset, saying, you know what, man, if, if I just, God will. <laughs> like, like if I just do this one thing, because we can so often feel like we have to do these gigantic... How many people have ever like been saved a thousand times? <laughs> Every time you sin, you're like, Jesus, I'm sorry, come into my heart again, forgive me. And then you sin the next day, you're like, Jesus, I'm sorry again, forgive me, come into my heart again. Like we feel like we have to do it over and over again. And if you if you grew up a Christian, if you grew up in church, chances are at one point in your life you thought you were, were supposed to be a missionary, right? Because you're like, I messed up so bad, God's gonna, he's gonna send me to Africa. I know that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna send me to China. He's gonna send me to Indonesia. He's gonna send me somewhere because I've been so bad and I have to make up for it, right? Right? So I have to go live somewhere where my family's on. It's going to be so hard. It's going to be difficult. But so often the big changes in our life, the moving from what to who, isn't this gigantic, huge thing. It's if I just do this one thing, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I just do this, God will come through for me. And that's where a lot of us, we just need to make that if I just statement. <laughs> In our own life, in our own situation, we say, God, I know I've been letting this what define who I am. I know I've been letting this what that I'm going through tell me who I am. But if I just take this one step towards you, just this, this one step of putting my faith in you, putting my trust in you, seeing if what you say is actually legit, if I just, will you? <laughs> like if I just, will you meet me? Will you come through? Will I be able to see that you're actually good on your word? And when you do that, you see time and time and time and time again that God is good on his word, that God does see it through, that God does fulfill his promise to you. If we just, he will. If you just take that first step, that first act of faith, that first trust in God, you will be blown the heck away by what God will do with an if I just. You'll be blown away. You'll see relationships not just change, you'll see them transform. <laughs> you'll see them completely become something different if you just start with a, you know what, God, I know things have been so broken here, but if I just make this first step, will you come through? Will you move in their heart? Will you move in my heart? Will you bring healing and reconciliation here if I just your approach to work, your approach to your family, your approach to school, to college, to kids, to your parents, all of that can change if you just, if you just take that one small step and trust God, he will take the what's in your life. He'll take them away from you. And here's the thing, God wants your what. <laughs> the what that you're dealing with, the what that you've been identifying with, he wants it. He wants it, and not only does God want it, he's not intimidated by it. You are. I am. I got some what's in my life that are intimidating to me. 
some things that I struggle with, some, some fears that I have, some, some little bits of, of depression or worry that I have, these what's that I struggle with that are intimidating to me because I think, man, how is that ever going to change? How am I ever going to be able to do this? How is that ever going to be able to happen? These what's seem huge to me, but they don't intimidate God. They don't scare God. He can handle them. Listen to what it says in Mark 5.29 as this story continues. So the woman goes up to Jesus and touches him. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. Now I told you earlier this woman was ceremonially unclean because of her hemorrhage, because of her bleeding issue. So according to the law, according to what that means, when this woman touched anyone, they would become ceremonially unclean. It was like early coronavirus, right? <laughs> like six feet of distance, don't touch me because you could infect me. That's what was going on here. If this woman would touch anybody else, they would be labeled as ceremonially unclean. And then what happened to her would happen to them. Now you're ostracized. Now you need to leave. Now you can't be with the crowd. Now you need to go off somewhere else. But look at what happens. This thing that just destroyed her, had owned her for 12 years of her life. She touches Jesus, and instead of her making Jesus unclean, he heals her. He heals her. This thing that has completely and utterly dominated her life for a decade plus, this thing that she couldn't fix on her own, she goes to Jesus. It doesn't screw him up, but she becomes whole. <laughs> she becomes healed. She finds healing in this moment. And that's what I want to tell you is that that thing that you're dealing with that is so embarrassing that you like this woman, you want to sneak up and just touch Jesus' cloth. You just want to touch his clothes because you're like, I'm not, I'm not worthy to actually have a conversation with you because of the stuff I've thought. I'm not worthy to have a conversation with you because of the way I've treated my parents, the way I've, I've treated my friends, the way that I've done things. And so it's embarrassing. I'm just going to, I just want to touch your clothes. I want to steal a blessing real quick. <laughs> like I just want to steal a blessing and get out of here. That stuff in your life that is embarrassing, that you feel like you can't handle, that you know you can't handle, that it's going to repulse God, it doesn't repulse him. Amen. Doesn't take him off guard. Doesn't make him look at you and go, wow, really? You struggle with that? He's not scared of it. He's not intimidated by it. And he can handle it. He can handle it. He handled it for her. He'll handle it for you. He'll handle it for me. God wants the what in your life. And what's so cool is as God handles it, God isn't just a God that we just throw our stuff to and he just takes care of it. He's not like a, a, a glorified butler. We're like, here, God, can you just take this and handle it for me? He doesn't just handle stuff for us. Yes, he handles our sin, but then he does something more. He empowers us to live a different way going forward. Isn't that amazing? He empowers us. We, we discussed this in part last week, that God empowers us, that Jesus, whenever we start following him, that we don't become robots like we don't become mindless automatons that, you know, I, I gave my life to Jesus and now I, I don't like any music but worship. Hallelujah. That's all I, that's all I get down with is worship music. I, I'm in scripture all day and I just, I love it. I love it. Like that's not what happens. <laughs> Jesus doesn't erase who you are and erase your personality. What he does is he empowers you. He just empowers you to live different. He empowers you to start following him, following the Holy Spirit, and doing what you are supposed to do. Jesus handles it, and he empowers us. Mark 5.30 says this, uh, that when the woman touched him, 
And when she touched them, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? He felt power leave him. Do you know that out of four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is one miracle that's ever recorded where Jesus actually feels power leave his body and go into someone else, and this is it. This is the only time that ever happens where Jesus actually feels, hey, something happened here. Power left my body and went to someone else. Jesus was empowering this woman in that moment, empowering her, and he does the same thing for us. He doesn't just save you from your sin. He doesn't just heal you from the what's in your life. He says, I'll do you one better. Now I'm also going to empower you to avoid that what from now on, to avoid those relationships, to avoid that situation, to avoid that addiction, to break the chains on that. Like I'm going to actually empower you to live a different way. Jesus doesn't just erase, he empowers. He empowers who we are supposed to be. He empowers who we are supposed to be, um, which that's, that's just kind of a little side note. If, if you're someone who's ever wondered, what's my calling? Like that, that's something that even people who aren't Christians ask. What's my calling? Or if you do a Google search, you know how it does an autofill? If you start typing in a Google search for what is God's and like let it finish, it'll finish will. What is God's will? Because everybody wants to know that. Even people who don't believe in Jesus, people who aren't Christians want to know, what's God's will for my life? What was I created to do? What, 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 what was I created to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I made to do? And whenever we ask that, we are so asking the wrong question. What is God's will in my life? What is my calling? It was never about a what, it's always been about who. Who is, you want to know what God's calling for your life? You can let everyone know. You can post it on Facebook today. Found, found my calling in life today. <laughs> I found out what God's purpose for my life is. And when people say, what is it? You'll say, oh, no, it's not a what, it's a who. It's who I'm supposed to be. That is God's will for everybody. That he has a, 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 in mind who you are supposed to be. That you are supposed to be patient, kind, good, gentle with people, merciful, that you have a balance of a perfect balance, full of grace and full of truth when you talk to people, that you're supposed to be loving. That's who you're supposed to be and your who is your calling. We're not supposed to be a what. That's the wrong question. God is calling you to be someone before he calls you to do something. He wants you to be someone before you do something. And we get that so jacked up and backwards, we, we look for something to do. We just look for something to do, and God's saying, I don't want you to do a what. I want you to become a who. Amen. Frankly, until you become a who, <laughs> until you become who and you know who you are in God, I don't want you doing jack squat. Like, I don't want you doing things because you're not doing it out of the basis of who God created you to be. So whenever you do something, you're not doing it out of the love of Christ. You're doing it for a different reason. Until you know who you are, until you have your identity, there shouldn't be activity. Always lead with who you are in Christ. God calls you to be someone before you do something. So in this situation, we see this woman. She goes up to Jesus. She touches him. She receives healing. Jesus starts asking, who, who touched me? And it's funny because in this moment, th this woman, she gets this healing she gets this healing from Jesus, and what's so cool about it is, is the disciples, we, we read what they were saying, right? Like, Jesus says, hey, someone touched me, and the disciples are saying, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? People are crowding against you, verse 31 says, 
And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around for who had done it. So the disciples are saying, Jesus, what are you, like, (laughs) there's a crowd, dude. There are people around. Like, of course you, you got touched. Of course you got brushed up against. The disciples completely missed what had happened here. Because Jesus knew there is a difference between casual contact and intimate intention. And this woman had intimate intention. She was trying to get close to Jesus. She, with intention, was pursuing him. Wasn't just casually oh, bumping into him. And can I, this, is, this has become a little catchphrase of mine, but can I be honest with you guys? A lot of us in our lives, don't throw anything at me. <laughs> a lot of us in our lives, we are being defined by the what's in our life because we are going and having casual contact with Jesus and expecting change to come out of it. That ain't how he works. That's never been how he works. We bump into Jesus by coming to church once every, you know, Christmas and Easter, once every couple months. We bump into Jesus by the the most scripture we ever read is whenever our one friend who posts one Bible verse Every other day, we read it on Facebook, and that's it. We bump into Jesus whenever we pray, but the only reason we pray is because someone in our life got really, really sick, and we're scared, so we're like, oh, God. And we bump into him, and then we, we, whenever people talk about it, God, and you're like, man, I just, you know, I've never really, it's, it's been hard for me. God doesn't really come through, it feels like. It feels like I've, some of the what's that I'm struggling with, I'm still struggling with, and God hasn't done this for me and this. And it's because you're casually coming into contact with Jesus, And you're wondering why there's no change. This woman experienced change. This woman experienced healing because she didn't just casually contact Jesus. She wanted to intimately get to know. She wanted to actually say, you know what? I'm coming to know who you are. I want what you have to offer, Jesus. I want actual healing in my life. I'm I'm not just kind of bumping into you. I want to know who you are and what you have to offer. And in that moment, she received healing. She received healing, and the same is true for us. We can expect healing whenever we are pursuing Jesus, whenever we're reaching out and actually pursuing him and his will in our lives, and we can have our what healed. We can have our what forgiven, and we all need it. We need our what's forgiven. We need our what's taken away so we can see who we were supposed to be because our what's always lead to shame. They always lead to shame. Even this woman, she had been living in the shadow of her what for so long. Look at this. Even after Jesus healed her, she's hiding. She's hiding. Jesus is looking around like, who? someone touched me. <laughs> like, who, who was that? This woman received healing and she's not saying, it was me. You, just, you, you rescued me. She's not saying that. She has been living in the shadow of her what for so long. She is hiding until we see in verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. Do you notice what words we saw play out right there? Jesus is looking around saying, who touched me? Who was it? But the woman was afraid because of what had happened. What she did. Probably gave her PTSD of like, oh no, I shouldn't have touched him. I shouldn't have touched him. I'm not supposed to touch anybody. I've been unclean for so long and I touched him. And I'm. She is so focused on the what in her life. And Jesus is saying, who? Who was it? Who reached out and touched me? 
And so in that moment, she reaches out, she says to Jesus the whole truth, what had happened, and Jesus' response in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And you want to know it's beautiful. When Jesus calls her daughter, it's the only time in all four gospels he refers to someone with that title. That intimate, close title of daughter. Not, not outcast, not person who we don't even know your name, daughter. It's the first time and the only time he uses this title when addressing someone. So this woman who was worried <laughs> her what would define her for the rest of her life, Jesus says, no, if you come to me with your what, I'll replace it with a who. You're not defined by that anymore. You are my daughter and I love you. And you don't have to be defined by that going forward. You can have something better. You can have your what become a who. And the same thing that was offered to this woman is the exact same thing that Jesus offers to every single one of us. Whatever you are going through, he can replace it. And he wants to replace it because you are not supposed to be defined by your what. You're not supposed to be defined by what happened to you or what you struggled with or what you're currently experiencing or what your family's going through. That was never supposed to be your identifier, ever. Activity was never supposed to be your identifier. Your identity is always about who you are and who God says you are. And until you find that, you'll be chasing activity after activity after activity looking for it, and you won't find it. You won't find it, and I want you to find it. Because let me tell you that the times whenever I had the, those like borderline meltdowns when we were in Cleveland, the times that I've had the meltdowns, the times this week whenever I felt so frustrated and felt so just like, oh, man, I'm at a loss. The only thing that ever brings me down and gets me recentered is not remembering what I've done, what I've accomplished. The only thing that ever makes it right is remembering who he is and who he says I am. You know what? I'm going to be all right. I'm his son, and if I'm his son, everything's good. I know how this story ends. I know how the movie ends. I know how this all plays out, and so I don't have to worry. Yeah, day by day, things, things will stress me out, but man, in the end, I know how this works out, and that is the ultimate peace, and it only comes through identity, not activity. I want to pray with you, all right? Father God, thank you for these moments. Thank you for these moments that we spend together learning about who you are and what that means for us. God, I ask that you would be with me, be with everybody on site, be with everybody watching us on Facebook and YouTube today. Help us to realize, help us to see, help us to know the what's that we have allowed to become our identity. Help us to see these things, to call them out for what they are, and to replace them with who you are and who you say we are. Because until we get our identity set, our activity will never bring us happiness. It will never bring us joy. It will never bring us purpose that you have in mind for us. God, you didn't call us to be a what. You called us to be a who. So help us going forward. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to know who we are and what that means for us. Because as we get that set, as we get that foundation laid of who we are, we will see things in our life start to change because we will be focusing on what truly matters, our identity, not our activity. So help us, God, help us with this. 
when it's not so easy to remember. This stuff sounds good on a Sunday morning and it's a little harder to live out on a Monday night or on a Friday morning at work. Help us to remember this as we go forward from this place so that we can be more and more like Jesus in every relationship and in every interaction we find ourselves. And we will give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise that nobody else deserves but you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.